Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. This is Paul Hawksby and this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. We were joined by a friend of the show, Omid Jalili, comedian and Chelsea fan, looking ahead to tonight's game against Palace. We brought you another episode of Striker, episode 70, believe it or not. We had the clips of the month that we brought you as well, so you'll hear them and the ultimate winner. We spoke to the organiser of the World Hot Dog Eating Championships as well over in New York, which was record-breaking, even though it was behind closed doors. And on a more serious note, Gary Bloom, the sports psychotherapist who works with Oxford United, amongst others, who had a fine penalty win in the playoff, joined us to talk about that and some of the positives of games without crowds. So here it all is. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. And let me apologise first on behalf of all Spurs and Evertonians, uh, Spurs fans and Evertonians, to make you sit through that last night, really. It wasn't uh, It wasn't one for the neutrals, <laughs> it was, was it? It certainly wasn't. It was really quite poor. It was, mm. a, it was a mid-table skirmish. I had a feeling it was. It was, you know, yeah. I mean, both of these uh, sides went into this with pretensions to push for Europa League, possibly if they put a run of games together, Champions mm. League, but it did have a feel of the last game of the season, didn't it? I mean, Everton mm. were, in, were in surprisingly... Oh flat and I thought they're never going to be that bad second half but kind of they were really they just could not get going um I, I, we were kind of keeping they, they, in touch throughout the game weren't mm. we Andy and it, I'm a, I mean I am frustrated because if if this was built on a rock solid defense this if this was the Arsenal back four in its pomp I would say yeah sure get one ahead then sit deep and think you might get one on the break let teams come on to you but but it isn't we always look like we're likely to concede we did against West Ham it was the fact that Everton were the, really about the poorest team we've come up against so far. But they're not a bad team. They had a bad night, let's put it that way. But um, it was high risk. It's always high risk, especially when I don't think Jose... Jose's got a way of playing, yet not necessarily the personnel to play it, although they did look better without Everald in there, certainly a little bit more assured. But it's a really high risk process. And we saw um, Greenwood could have scored at the end of the Manchester United game. Um, Fornell's had a really good chance for West Ham. I mean, he, both of those results, we were talking about this last week, weren't we, with Kevin Watson, both those results could have gone the other way. So to sit there and say, oh, what a master tactician, he, he walked away three points in your pocket. We were, we were pretty fortunate, I think, that, West Ham, that, that um, Everton just didn't turn up last night. It's a very outdated way of playing, isn't it? And there's something about Everton and London. They don't play well in London. I don't know. I mean, they were on a great run before they came to Chelsea. Yeah, we hammered them 4-0. You know, that's it. I did... Uh... <laughs> I was looking at Eric Lamella's very, very gelled highlights. And I, mm. Someone had emulsioned his hair. I was thinking, yeah. it's not worth, it wasn't really worth waiting four months to have that done, was it? Surely you're going to It wasn't uh, ideal. Well, my big fear, I mean, if I'm going to have a punt this weekend, and I really hope it doesn't happen, it's red card Lo Celso. Man, he's, he's an angry... He's a love, he looks like the kid in the tin drum, the old Gunter Grass yeah. book. He looks like... He's that fringe... Uh, if he, I'd love him. It's that he's got a really evil stare. I mean, I thought I thought Lamella was the king of S-Housery, but we're out of Argentina. But blimey, yeah, oh, La well, Celso. Yeah. I, mean, I just worry about La Celso. He's got that bit of Guendouzi thing in him. So for the derby on Sunday, I do worry that he's going to start a fight out of nowhere, and someone's going to go down clutching their face, and we're down to ten men. They're going to have to. He's got. I mean, he's good to be aggressive, and he has got a bit about him. And he's. he's but you know, you've got to rein it in a little bit because he's going to. He's going to be, be off game next time. 
Yeah, yeah, that could be a tough game. I was looking at Bernard or Bernard. I don't know how you want to say the Everton player. <laughs> and I was saying last week, I think he's been isolating with a tattoo artist. But he had yeah. one that said, "I love," and it was a sort of year in Roman numerals tattoo. And mm. I was thinking, well, that can't be 2020, can it? Whatever. <laughs> I can't <laughs> see can't too be... many people wanting those. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, every time I see Mike Dean with that hipster beard, I just want to order yeah. a double macchiato with extra foam. He looks fantastic, I think. It really suits him. Do you and think it's uh, hipster? It's not. I mean, it's a bit. I mean, Andy, you should tell the boys and girls that you've you've decided to. You made a big decision in lockdown. You've decided to stop. To stop. You've decided to stop uh, dying. Your. You've decided. To, you won't never stop. Not as long as Chelsea are playing. You've decided to stop. Grow. Uh, I'm not growing your beard. I'm having a man. Dying. Slow down. Dying your beard. Yeah. I mean, what what was the decision? What was the big decision to go proudly oh, grey? I think I, I started looking at myself and thinking, "This look, this doesn't look right." I've got grey hair and a black beard. This looks ridiculous. So <laughs> I decided that it's about time I acted my age. So uh, right. the wife seems to like it. I quite like yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's, right. it's, it's, it's a bit quite Uncle Albert. I a little fisherman's cap and a and a duffel coat. Ken Bates. And we'll have a word with Paul Whitehouse when they're back on the stage on Only Falls. I think you, I think you could get the gig. Ken the thing I noticed on the, on the weekend that Steve Bruce, he normally speaks quietly like dance, you know, he's, he mm. does the way dance does him. But of course, with distance interviewing, it's a much more shouty Steve. Have you noticed yeah. that? He's, he's having to sort of project Steve. It's not his normal, I can't do the voice, but it's, it is exactly as dance does it. It's very, very low key. So, mm. uh, but still, that's the, that's the nature of it. And Ralph Hassenhut, I was supporting yeah. a very thin nylon wind jacket, and no good for diving like his wetsuit, a scuba no, diver, I would have thought. Get that wetsuit so back. Yeah. <laughs> I, had, I had a very interesting conversation. It's funny how people, football fans, what they're like. I, I was, uh, I've been doing my shopping first thing in the morning on a Saturday outside Marks and Spencers, and there's a queue of people mm. that for the last 10, 12 weeks, it's the same people. And there's yeah. always a bloke who's in the front of the queue. He's a Chelsea fan. He wears a Chelsea track suit and everything. And, wow. uh, Saturday, he wasn't there. And then he came along late, and he wasn't first in the queue like he had been for the last 12 weeks. So we all said to him, go on, mate, you be first. He, he, must, he said, oh, the bus was that. I said, no, don't worry, mate, you go first. <laughs> so, so he didn't want to. So we started having a conversation. So the first thing, I said, oh, they weren't great the other night, were they? I said, but Pulisic, better. I can't stand him. I can't yeah. stand well, I said, you don't like Pulisic. You don't think he's a good, nah, can't stand him. Yes, it's ridiculous. I said, how can you feel like that? <laughs> honestly, you look at these people, honestly. And then he started to tell you, he was a funeral director. Oh, okay. I know. And he said to me, pop stars, TV interviewers, film stars, politicians. I've seen them all, he said. I don't like this. That sounds a little bit sinister. I don't like this. I've embalmed them all. I don't like like the sound of that. And then he started talking to this other bloke in the queue who's a florist. And they started talking about another funeral director. And it was like quite bitchy. So it's obviously it? like, <laughs> you know, like we are about other radio presenters. Well, without mentioning obviously. names, without what like you are, that's not me. Don't lump me in with your twisted world. I'm not like that. The um, so what 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 was the nature of the bitchiness then? What what were they what were they saying about they, this just other didn't, person? I can't name the bloke, but they just didn't like. We well, didn't do a good way. service. Was he a bit quick? No, the was way it? touted touted for business? I think. What just like, <laughs> hanging around places when someone's yeah, not I well? So, yeah. I, I knew. They didn't I knew like him. I knew a nurse once, and uh, unfortunately, she said there was a there was a somebody there they called the Grim Reaper because if he knew somebody, he sort of hang around intensive care, sort of looking at his watch. He was doing it for all the right reasons, yeah. um, possibly from a, uh, a transplant uh, situation, as Glenn would call it. Oh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Whenever you yeah. saw this bloke, you thought, "Blimey, come on, mate!" <laughs> really, I suppose that, that, did, he, did he wear the outfit? <laughs> no, no, he did. That would have been pushing it a bit. I think. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. From Talk Sport. It was the uh, Beckham's 21st uh, wedding anniversary on the weekend, and uh, Victoria did her usual thing. I don't find this so odd that they she she sends him greetings on Instagram. So they're sending him oh, a yeah. card, like you might send the wife a card or buy some flowers or something. He, he, she has to do it publicly. So she says, Happy anniversary at David Beckham. I think, does she call him at David Beckham at home? <laughs> odd, I'd, like to think so. I'd like to think she does call him at David Beckham. <laughs> It's really weird. <laughs> it's just showing off. That's what it is. What okay. Anything else you want uh, to talk about? Oh, yeah. And definitely. Um, what have I got here? I've got... Uh, oh, yeah, David Moyes. Did you see that? He was sickened by the late equaliser at Newcastle. 
Mm. I quite enjoyed it myself. I thought it was yeah. really <laughs> <interesting>. <laughs> So they're the, everybody, every team that beats you has their kind of few weeks in the barrel, until, or months maybe, until somebody yeah. else beats you. So you've particularly got it in for West Ham at the moment, yes, until, well, until you lose to someone else. Six points off us this season. It's probably, you know, would have been a different season without that. But there you go. What can you do? They did play all right, actually, on Sunday, to be fair. Yeah. And, uh, and Newcastle, it's amazing, isn't it, what's happened to them that... It's, it's sort of there's an irony about this that the fact that before the lockdown, in front of the fans, they stunk the place out. They were so boring to watch for about the last three or four seasons, not just under Steve Bruce, but especially under Rafa. Now mm. suddenly Steve's taken the shackles off. They really have scored loads of goals and they're really entertaining to watch. But there's no fans there. There's yeah. a kind of irony in that, I think. So, you know, the fans would have loved the way that the team are playing at the moment. Well, we're going to talk later on, aren't we, about this idea of players playing better without fans there. Um, and it'd be pretty difficult, wouldn't it, to play a sort of tight, defensive, structured game when you've got players like St. Maximin and Almiron who just like running at people. Mm. That's not stopping Tottenham at the moment, but there we are. <laughs> so, um, by <laughs> the know, way, talking of which, oh, um, yeah. they, never, they never stopped selling to me in an effort to get some money to uh, buy defenders next season. Um, yes. I, I had a headline, I had an email from earlier on. The headline was, patiently waiting for your barber's appointment. Until then, we've got you. And I thought, what are they doing here? They're selling me hats. They're trying to sell me baseball caps. <laughs> oh, really? So very, very targeted uh, advertising. <laughs> it's good, isn't it? Uh, yes, and talking of clubs selling stuff to you, Chelsea have launched their new awake it uh, mm. under this uh, particular phrase it's apparently the shirt has been inspired by a classic tailored aesthetic but filtered mm. through a modern street lens and color palette it's a light blue shirt that's what it, it is, is. <laughs> oh, no, where do they get that from a classic tailored aesthetic it's a football shirt you're going to have it hand fitted in Savile Row each shirt yeah they do that There's if no you go at the they do that if you go to the Far East, uh, don't they? You can. There are certain places in the Far East where you can go and have a made-to-measure football shirt. I mean, hooky ones. Really? I mean, that's why the Premier League go out there and try and close these places down every so often. When I worked at Chelsea, uh, Chris, who was in charge of this sort of thing, went out on a bit of a fact-finding mission with Umbro, I think it was, who were the kit manufacturers at the time. Yeah. And they were kind of walking around markets in, in bits of the Far East, and then they'd just have the rolls of material. The rolls of material the shirts were made out of. And then the fella would say, and he'd measure you up and come back tomorrow, and you'd have a made-to-measure football shirt, probably made of all the same material. Surely, surely that costs more, doesn't it, have a made-to-measure shirt than buying one you know, just off the You peg. would think, but the fact that it is that sophisticated in terms of, uh, of hooky shirts is quite incredible, which is a bit different um, to a, a recent TV documentary that I saw. Uh, in, in which there was a uh, Man Faster United on the badge. Man Faster United, it's it. <laughs> yeah, really? Fantastic, <laughs> isn't it? That's it's at the cheaper it? end of the market. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, what else have we got here? We've got... Uh, Omid, we've is got just, we should point out, we oh, were hoping Omid's to through. Omid Jalili at this point, but he's, no, he's not mm. with us. We're going to try and get him back a little bit later on. We've got a problem with his line, so we'll keep working on it. So, Andy, you can fire away. You can get it all off oh, your yeah. chest, mate. Do you remember I said to you last week, we haven't heard from the Duke of Kent. You know, normally no. this time of the year, he's in the court circuit every day. The Duke of Kent attended the All England... Yes, we know. He goes there yeah. every day. You don't he's at the tennis, every yeah. Day. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the Duke of Kent, a patron Opera North, this afternoon held a meeting with Mr. Richard Mantle, General Director, via telephone. And he said to him, can you hurry up, mate, because BBC Two are re-showing that Isner versus Mahout. I love that yeah. one. <laughs> so you, I bet yeah. he's loving all that, isn't he? So there you go. Uh, Milkman Chris Davis, 67, mm. has retired after delivering six million pints in Liscard in Cornwall over 40 Congrats. years. Congratulations. Of course, you know the question. Did he do orange juice? Or eggs. Did he do eggs? Or eggs. Did he yeah. do eggs? <laughs> that would be the one. This is a strange thing. It's a report about barbecues, but I think it could have been put better in it. It says, mm. Griller Thrillers was the headline. Barbecues are booming with more than half of people taking to the grill outside. We've got to do it outside. You can't do it inside, can you? Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit hopeless, really. We've, anyway, got, fair enough. we've got live football while we're on tomorrow, Andy. Are you aware of this in the championship? This is no. Millwall versus Borough. Uh, it's kicking off tomorrow at 3 p.m., a Wednesday 3 p.m. kickoff. We learned this from Dave Kidd in his uh, column in the Sunday. Why? He said, it's not even live on the telly, says Dave. It's just so Borough don't have to make an overnight stay. 
Ah. Yeah. Okay. So it's a long old journey, yeah. isn't it? So they've accommodated yeah. them. So, uh, yeah, three o'clock. So I'm sure we'll be bringing you updates of that one and uh, and more besides. No, that makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. I yeah. think that's, that's, that's pretty good, actually. There's going to be a low-level hum at the test. Did you hear that? Tomorrow with the test match. They're not, they're not going to have the sort of crowd effects, obviously, because, I mean, football crowds and cricket crowds sound completely different. So they've recorded a sort of low-level hum at Lords. That sort of up, up. it changes throughout the day at Lords. There's a there's a low-level hum in the morning. Yeah. Is, and then there's a low-level hum in the afternoon after people have had a few drinks. And yeah. after tea, it's even it's not even low-level anymore. It's quite a high-level hum, really. So, What's it going to be we'll like when they, they get to Edgbaston, where it's a fairly high-level <laughs> drunken hum from about half past ten? Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Really, I've absolutely no idea. But there mm. you go. It might be quite good. Uh, yeah, we're going to have a chat with John Norman about that very shortly, our uh, cricket correspondent, because, yeah, the uh, the cricket returns. John will be keeping us in touch uh, with that uh, first test uh, tomorrow. And, uh, yeah, it was just interesting. You said Dom Sibley stuff today. So we'll talk to John about it. He basically said that uh, he was shamed into losing weight. He, he he did some fitness tests when he was with England recently and felt he mm. was just a bit heavy. And he looked at some of the other boys and how sort of lean they were and how the stamina, and he thought... This is bad. I've got to do something about this. So he That's did. He's amazing. gone out and he's lost. He's lost two stone. He said, which is which is. I know. I'm impressive. still looking forward to seeing the the West Indian off spinner, the the big lad. I think. Oh yeah, Raheem Cornwall. Watch. Yeah, he does. Raheem Cornwall. He's, he's a big lad. He is um, six foot six and twenty two stone. And uh, but they say the he's inc- incredibly yeah. agile. And he's a slip fielder. They said he's an incredibly agile slip fielder. So yeah, but what happens if there's get the situation in the match where they don't need a slip or they decide. You know, England are on the attack. Where are you mm. going to put him then? So I can't imagine he'd be that quick in the field. I suppose you could feel like where I feel at mid on because <laughs> you don't yeah. have to run too often. Yeah. And the ball will keep but, finding him, of course. And, that's what yeah, unlike happens. me, he's probably not frightened of the ball. Yeah, that's, that's true. Karen um, Brady may be putting a call into uh, Joseph Bartomeu, the uh, Barcelona president, uh, and they can have a little bit of a, 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 a sort of far bitching session because. He claims, does the Barca president, that um, everything's loaded to Real Madrid. They keep getting all of the decisions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How unusual for them to say that when they're behind. Yeah. That's, a, that's a funny thing going on there with Messi, isn't it? They're talking about, mm. you know, he's never going to leave there, is he? Surely that's not even possible, really. I, I can't see it myself. But, you know, it would be exciting. I mean, Man City are the... What, you know, the ones, really. It would be exciting to see him play in the Premier League. It would be good, wouldn't it? But yeah. I, I, it's, I'm, I'm a bit like you. I, I really can't see it. I can't see that happening, can you? So it seems very unlikely. Maybe he'll play further. You know, it's not one of those things. He wants a challenge. I don't know. Maybe he'll go to, uh, well, I'm trying to think of a team. Mm. Maybe he'll go to Macclesfield or something. Who knows? It's possible. Just, <laughs> no, it's not possible. <laughs> you mean it's possible. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Yes, it's time for the Clips of the Month for June. And uh, we have uh, six for you. And uh, we will kick off with Jim White and Natalie Sawyer talking to French football expert Julian Laurent. Julian, your fee remains the same, does it, mate? Or uh, can we expect an inflated one coming in shortly? <laughs> no, no, no. We, we're friends here, so it's fine. Oh, I like That's that. Nice. If, if you were here now, I'd, I would give you a French kiss. I think he meant on both cheeks. I think, <laughs> no, I think he means on both so cheeks. I think it wasn't the French great, style, was it? the French style kiss. I think Jim was was aiming yeah. for there. Yeah, <laughs> this was a caller to the sports bar. Ken's a Spurs fan. He's up next. Hello, Ken. Good evening. Hello, oh, that's how are you? We're Hi, good, Ken. Kenneth. Are you a Kenneth or a Kenny or what are you? Uh, a bit of both. Uh, a bit of all. Ken, Kenny, Kenneth. Are yeah, you named after yeah. anyone famous, Ken? Um, yes, I am actually uh, Matt Munro. Talk Sport, Caller of the Week. It just strikes me, was Matt Munro's real name Kenneth something? It might no, it wasn't. to look it up. No, it no. wasn't. Don't, don't <laughs> waste your time. <laughs> um, here's uh, Alan Brazil on breakfast, uh, looking back on the previous night's football. <laughs> the Premier League final returned yesterday and remind us what we've been missing. It was a top start for Man City as Guardiola's men beat Arsenal 3-0 na- at the empty it's ahead. <laughs> Sorry about that. Something in my throat there. Uh, yes, empty. Uh, it's ahead. Uh, it's, oh, Jesus. Uh, Arsenal were convinced. My, my, my screen's playing up. I can't get rid of something on it, but don't worry. 
screen, <laughs> my throat, <laughs> my, my back. Good old Alan. <laughs> Fantastic, isn't it? Georgie Bingham and Tony Cascarino now, and they were about to chat to an Italian football expert. Let's find out from Nina Tavelli what she thinks we could expect uh, when the copper resumes. Good morning, Nima. Hey, Nina. Oh, uh, my name's Nima, and I'm a male. <laughs> oh, dear. He's quite my annoyed, name's Nima, <laughs> and I'm a male. There we are. <laughs> yes, fair enough. This is, uh, is Simon. Oh, no. no, oh, I think it's it's me, isn't it? That's this you. is yeah. uh, Simon Jordan, and we. Is that going to be your catchphrase? Is it me? That's very good. That we get. I can see that on t-shirts, coasters. No, I used is to work with a bloke that that was his catchphrase. He was an yeah. accountant, and he whenever the say, phone yeah. went, he did. Whenever the phone went off anywhere in this open plan office, he go, "Is that for me?" You think we can't, can't always be for you, can it? Do you know what I mean? It's a anyway, great comedy then, no. catchphrase, though. Is that for me, <laughs> it is. Andy? It is. is that for me, Jacobs? Uh, <laughs> this is one, Simon yeah. Jordan, um, yeah. and we were worried as he did seem to get stuck at one point during Jim White's show. But when children are here, then they have to be looked after. Yeah. Now, this issue is slightly com- 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 complicated. <laughs> Jim just gives him a nudge like it's a, like it's a stuck needle. But com- 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 it's very good there, yeah. And finally, Andy. It's Ray Parler on breakfast with his memories of playing a lot of games. What I found when I was playing is that the recovery rate was so much slower when I got older. So when I'm 32, you know, you'll play a game on a Saturday and you'll still be aching a little bit on the Monday and Tuesday. Uh, and you might have a game on a Wednesday uh, where, where, where I was a lot younger. You know, I'd be fine on a Sunday and Monday going into training Monday. I thought, yeah, great, I'm ready to go again. <laughs> yeah, and uh, as he took us through the days of the week, as you can imagine, that, that did kind of remind us of something. And you'll still be aching a little bit on the Monday and Tuesday. Uh, and you might have a game on a Wednesday. You know, you'll play a game on a Saturday. I'll, I'll be fine on a Sunday. So there we are. Uh, what's your clip of the month? Is it uh, Jim White giving Julian a French kiss? Uh, is it Ken named after Matt Monroe on the sports bar? Is it uh, Alan struggling with uh, Etihad? Is it uh, the uh, man slash woman Italian football expert with Georgie and Cass? Is it Simon Jordan getting stuck or is it Craig David uh, and uh, Ray Parler together at last? We're going to have uh, all of the runners and riders on Twitter uh, at T-S-H-N-J. That's T-S-H-A-N-D-J. And so go along there. We'll have um, a couple of semi-finals and a final and you can vote for your favourite. And we'll bring you the winner of the Clips of the Month at um, oh, about just before four o'clock when we hand over to Adrian Durham and Darren Goff building up to the first of our live games this evening. On TalkSport, we'll be reflecting that over the next uh, hour and three quarters as we look ahead to uh, all the matches, all three games, as we said, across the network in the Premier League on TalkSport this evening. Uh, but should we bring you some striker, Andy, which is really oh, yeah. high up. It was a it was a kind of bittersweet day for me today because I've been, the way we've been doing this, I suppose ultimately I should have sent the book to Dance and he could have worked from the actual book. <laughs> but I was always yes. worried it got lost in the post and that would be the end of that. So what we've had to do really is I've had to just take photographs of the pages and send them to him. So it was with heavy heart today that I reached the final chapter. I've sent him the final chapter today, and those 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 three gut the two gut wrenching words, the end, which Steve put there. So you uh, you know you know what well, happened. I, I didn't look too closely. I want it to be a surprise. I want to enjoy it. Okay. So. <laughs> so uh, let's rejoin Steve Bruce's murder mystery uh, series, Striker. Steve wrote uh, this is one of three books he wrote in the late 90s when he was a Manchester United player. We, this is where we left off last Friday. The Lettersford town manager, Steve Barnes, has just survived an attack on him by an armed intruder who managed to flee the scene before the police arrived. He was gone before the police had scaled the gates. Scrapings were taken from under fingernails. Police scientists can build a case from the most unlikely of material. They also had the intruder's gun, and that was certain to reveal evidence. There was yet another long session of questions and answers. Forty minutes after the arrival of the police, another vehicle turned up. In it were Chief Inspector Shannon and Detective Sergeant Widdison. I explained everything in detail. What seemed like small details can be crucial, Shannon said. Well, your people will be able to find him through DNA, won't they? Yes, if the man's DNA is known, Widdison replied. 
Take samples from everybody who might be a suspect, I said. The guy came here to kill me. You don't think he might just have been a burglar? Shannon suggested. He was a damn clever one. He evaded all our security. Finding out who it was, that's a matter for the Cheshire Force, Woodison told me. We've been active over the past couple of days. It's looking very much as if we shall not be charging you with murder, Shannon said. You already have, I growled. The charge is likely to be withdrawn. I wanted to smile. If all charges against me were dropped, then Shannon would have some explaining to do. By seven o'clock in the morning, the house was clear of police in uniform, and it was time to go to work, and I was shattered. Two uniformed men had been kept at the gate, just in case. But I felt, and Susan agreed with me, that this was shutting the stable door after the horse had bolted. Perhaps I was foolish, but I felt I had to go to the stadium. There was training that morning, and the home game against Fulton was only 36 hours away. There was the important matter of selecting the team and of deciding who, if anyone, was to be the central striker. Yes, yeah, Steve's ability to concentrate on his role as letters for town manager when he's nearly been killed in his kitchen, had to swim in a reservoir to save his own life when two hitmen took him off the street. I mean, it's incredible. And the, the policing there was interesting, wasn't it? I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible, but generally your first offence... Uh, is not breaking into someone's house with a gun and attempting to kill him, is it? I mean, you tend to work <laughs> really up there. there. Pretty good chance he might be on the computer somewhere, this fella, uh, I would think. I like, well done I love the Steve. cliffhanger there. Oh, what strikers are you going to pick with all the yeah. stuff that's going on? Yeah. Let's focus on that, shall we? Let's focus on that. But anyway, um, good old Steve. And uh, there'll be more from Striker tomorrow. Say, so not, not many left. But uh, a little bit could be a little bit of a twist in the tail for the final instalment. So uh, stick stick with it, guys. Boom! You've gone this far. That was episode seventy. Don't back out 70. now. <laughs> episode seventy. For goodness' sake. There's only 140 minutes on, really, so, you know, yeah. put it all together and play it as one thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, that's not a good idea, really. Yeah. It's, it's better in bite-sized quantities. Uh, I love the way people think that TV companies work. There's, somebody wrote to the Daily Star, mm. the text section, and said, Dear editor, uh, can you get the BBC to show the opening and closing ceremonies of the 2012 Olympics? They were brill, says Mick. Mick, I think Mick's quite grasped how TV works. It's a bloke ring up. Hello, is that the BBC? I'm the tech editor of the text section of the Daily Star. Yeah. Can you please put, show the opening and closing ceremonies of the 2012 Olympics? No, why? <laughs> what time? Happen, is it? <laughs> what time do you want them to go Honestly. out? Surely they've played them already. They must have played them at some point over the last couple of I thought of they did play them. Yeah, surely in, in, they did do quite a lot of Olympics. Yeah. Maybe it's Mick Tom was Day. out. <laughs> it's, it's probably Play them true. again, I was out. <laughs> yeah. Well, you'd like that, actually. Mm. Um, and Ronald Hopes from Gwent wrote to the Sun. He said, we yeah. must not forget that VAR is the assistant. The referee has the final decision. It's time for refs to step up to the plate or the computer wins. You think, what computer? It's no computer, is it? It's not, yeah. it's not a computer. It's another referee. That's the thing. There's no computer involved as far as I can see, Ronald but Where would the go. tabloid letters pages be without you elevating them uh, every day, Andy, by kind well, of giving, you know, giving air I am hoping to eventually to make a documentary on all these people. And uh, Are you really? <laughs> no, not really. You're taking long and, enough about it. <laughs> Tom Daly, well, I've, I've floated it out there. Nobody seems to want to take me up on it. Yeah. Tom Daly, apparently, when he goes on holiday, he avoids swimming pools, which actually is fair enough, really. He says, I spend my whole time diving into a swimming pool covered in chlorine, so I don't want to do that when I'm on holiday. So yeah. he I think he, he might go away for, to an office or something. What would he do then? It's quite difficult, isn't it, if you don't want to do that? I suppose you could do a sightseeing tour. When but, you go uh, abroad, yeah. Andy, you don't try and break into the offices of um, Radio Paris, do you? And, and try and do <laughs> a three-hour sports show, do you? Busman's holiday. Radio Parry. That sounds uh, no, not Not Mike Parry. <laughs> anyway. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. It's Brannigan against Bass for a place at Wembley in the League One playoff final. Right footed into the corner. Oxford United are through. And Portsmouth's playoff curse continues for yet another year. They will be staying in League One. But it's Oxford who are through to play either Wickham or Fleetwood at Wembley. And their dreams of returning to the championship for the first time since 1999 live on. Cameron Brannigan, the hero. It's McGeehan who's the villain for Portsmouth as Oxford win it 5-4 on penalties 
after a one-all draw on the night. Yeah, that's how Jim Proudfoot called him at the end of the game last night on uh, Talk Sport, and uh, it was it was a good performance. I mean, good penalty-wise, both sides did very well. It all came down to that one miss, and uh, we should pat our next uh, guest on the back because uh, he uh, works as a sports performance psychotherapist for Oxford United. That's not why we got him on, but while we have, we will do that. Uh, good afternoon, <laughs> Gary Bloom. Good afternoon, Gary. Good afternoon, gentlemen. So you must be chuffed. I'm um, chuffed for the guys because you know them and for, and for uh, Carl, the manager, because you know him as well. But also, you know, professionally, it can't hurt that the boys keep their nerve. And, and that's part of your role, of course, uh, at the club. Well, it's hugely um, encouraging that hopefully when you're a part of a, a team of, I think, very talented individuals, including the medical staff and the strength and conditioning staff and everybody who's involved in the management uh, at Oxford United, Derek Fazakli and Carl Robinson and everybody there. It's a team effort and it's great to be just part of a very, very good team who enjoys success. There's nothing like success to, to enjoy. Did you do a fair bit of work on, on penalties, Gary, with them? Have you over, over the years? Uh, this is the first time we've, uh, we've really drilled down. I mean, I was aware that obviously the semi-final could go to a penalty shootout. So a couple of weeks ago, I uh, I got the research out, looked at the research documents, then thought about how it affected, might affect our football club. And then I wrote a document, um, which I then sent to the manager. I sent to the goalkeeping coach, Wayne Brown. I sent to Derek Fazakli. Um, and then I left it to them to bleed that information into Simon Eastwood, our goalkeeper, but also our penalty takers. And this is based on uh, research that uh, has been done down the years to give you some sort of advantage when going into a penalty shootout. Uh, that research is out there, but then mixing it with how Oxford's penalty takers might take it and some very basic psychological stuff, I came up with a, with a one-page document, and um, thankfully it paid off. Fantastic. Will you get to Wembley? Will you be able to mm. be there, Gary? Yes, I've been told this morning that thankfully the, uh, the AFL have enough passes and I will be, I'll be sitting there hopefully with the Oxford... Uh, directors and, and, and uh, board of directors. So I, I really am excited about next Monday. And, um, you know, let, let's give full marks to both football clubs, yeah. Wickham and Oxford, finished third and fourth after we had to uh, unceremoniously end the season. So maybe fitting that arguably the two teams who haven't gone up yet uh, meet at Wembley Stadium to decide that third promotion spot. Now, we thought of you this morning when we saw um, some quotes from Mikel Arteta and indeed from uh, Frank Lampard about uh, maybe some of the positives of there not being uh, crowds there. And Mikel Arteta um, felt that maybe some of his younger players have settled in uh, quicker, simply because they don't have 60,000 supporters there. It's, it's, it's changed the way they play. They're a bit more relaxed. Um, they're playing in a certain way. They, they feel that they've, you know, they haven't got to offload the ball quite as quickly. They're playing with a bit more confidence. Because if they do get something wrong, you're not going to hear that collective uh, groan that you'll always get from supporters when a player gives the ball away. I thought it was quite interesting. Yeah, I think I've said this before that you know, player, we can divide players into two. Uh, the players who are what I would call natural footballers and would be playing football on a park pitch if they weren't playing professionally. And then the players who are entertainers who need the energy of the crowd. But sometimes that energy can suck away some of the uh, atmosphere inside a player, the way the player plays. They get very, very, um, they become in, in, in what we call threat state. They're looking over their shoulder, thinking about, oh, goodness, what happens if I make a mistake now? Uh, well, ideally, we want players in what's known as the challenger state. You know, come on, lads, let's go for this. This is a great opportunity. So the individual psychology of any sportsman or woman has to be taken into account and helping them understand if they're in challenger state or threat state is a major part of this and taking away the crowd will work for some but it won't work for everybody no that's true do you think it makes uh, gary makes playing out from the back slightly easier though because i know at chelsea when uh, kepper and uh, rudiger and uh, messing about at the back the crowd get very anxious very you can feel it i i'm yeah. anxious you feel it around and then you, that must transmit to the players so i just wonder if it, it would be easier without a crowd from that point of view well you, you make a great point but there's two ways of looking at this again most people working in psychology would say this there is the outcome focus, e.g., what are you trying to do um, when you're doing that? What's the outcome that you want to win the match, whatever? But there's also what we call the process focus, that if you stick to what you've agreed you're going to do, 
the chances are you'll do it enough times to be successful. But the players who then worry about the, um, worry about the outcome of what they're doing will make mistakes. If you are putting your foot through the ball and you're not really thinking about it, not thinking, oh, my goodness, if I don't get this kick correct or I don't make a good connection with the ball as a goalkeeper, this could be catastrophic. That is when you're thinking about the outcome. If you're thinking about the process, look, there's my two fullback, there's my two central defenders, they've split. You know, this is what we do every day in training. So I just need to play, play a simple ball. So I try and get players to think about the process. And that's why one of the things we'll be working on this week with, with, with the club is think about what you are doing every day, week in and week out. Don't play the occasion, play the game. And, of course, it's Wembley, isn't it, Gary? So, I mean, normally, and with the conversations you'll be having about saying, look, you know, try not to concentrate on the crowd, use the atmosphere if you can, but don't be overawed by it. In an empty Wembley, maybe that's a slightly different conversation. Yeah, we were having this discussion at the club this morning because still for some players, and, you know, we can't, we can't say this happens to every footballer who plays, but, you know, this is the pinnacle of many young men's dreams to play in Wembley Stadium full or, mm. full or empty. Um, and we want to take away some of the edge, perhaps, where you're getting overexcited. And you know, maybe my concern would be any player who's playing in a playoff final or an FA Cup final who's not used to it can get what psychologists would call is over-aroused. And all of a sudden, they're charging into tackles at 200 miles an hour. They're making mistakes. We want to be in a position where we're calm but focused. So the important thing is just to take away that nervous edge and kept players in the, what we call the challenger state, as I was saying before, thinking about what is the task in hand, how do I play my normal game, and if our, if our teammates play the way they should, day, should do, maybe more times than not they're going to win. Gary, they haven't got the crowd pressure, but how much are the players aware of being on TV? I mean, because, you know, their family and friends are watching and mistakes are amplified. Do they think about that when they're playing? It's, a, it's another good point, but, you know, nobody ever says, oh, my goodness, my, my family are watching on TV. For some, and this is, just a, a, this is just a hunch, no more than a hunch, there are players playing in League One, League Two playoff finals who inevitably, whose contracts are up for grabs. So they see it as a brilliant showcase, and I would certainly imagine, having spoken to some of their agents, they do too, a great opportunity, a great stage to say, look, my contract at this club might be coming to an end. This is a great chance to put myself in the shop window and show other clubs that I can still do this. And I've still got a great opportunity of playing professional football for years to come. So I would see it for many players um, as a perfect opportunity. Now, finally, Gary, it's not just players that are uh, going to feed off the energy of a crowd, positively and negatively. It's managers as well. And um, Daniel Fark has been getting a little bit of stick from the Norwich fans in some quarters because he has looked too calm uh, since the return of football. He says, it's part of my job not to be emotional, not to be a, addicted to public views. But it comes at the time that Frank Lampard has admitted he's not felt as aggressive on the touchline. He said, maybe human nature or instincts mean that with 40,000 fans either pushing us on or going against us it brings out something else in us maybe it's a lesson for all of us managers to calm down a little bit uh, when the crowds return but it's quite interesting isn't it they've it's changed their mentality on the touchline i don't think it's changed everybody's mentality and i saw very some very highly um uh animated managers both in the premier league matches bundesliga matches the playoff games this is a huge topic. This, I, could, I could bore you for a whole hour on this one about <laughs> what effect does the manager have on the team playing on the pitch? Now, our manager at Oxford has said oh, he loves it. He loves the fact there's no fans there and he has the water breaks and he feels he can coach more effectively with uh, the players able to hear him and having access to the players midway through each half. There are other managers who might think, actually, I, I don't need to do that. But... Some players need that uh, huge energy, the anger that Mourinho or, or, or managers like that show. They, they get fired up by that. Some players have, have said to me, actually, it's distracting. If the manage, manager is going absolutely ballistic on the touchline, I'm thinking, what on earth is going on? So, so to, some it, to some it fires them up, to others... Um, they think, what, what on earth? What on earth is going on? Why doesn't he just calm down? The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talksport. Hawksby and Jacobs uh, here on Talksport. Uh, Crystal Palace, Chelsea, six o'clock uh, this evening. Joining us now with his thoughts on that and more is a friend of the show, comedian 
Omid Jalili. Omid, good afternoon. Good afternoon. I love this friend of the show thing you always say. That's oh, wonderful. yeah. We, we, I feel well, very you are. Thank you. You are. I think we had some badges at one point. We have to make sure you get you, you get one. Somebody <laughs> somebody sent us one. Love so, <laughs> so uh, uh, first, what do you make of the new kit, Omid? Are you impressed with the big three? I mean, we saw the away kit today. I quite like the home kit. I mean, you know, it looks quite good. I think it looks good. I, I, I saw the um, people already mocking up Jose Mourinho putting his three fingers. Yeah. Three, respect, respect, <laughs> respect. I really love that. I think it looks good. Chelsea always have that. That, that royal blue is something that, that attracted me when I was a five-year-old. When mm. I first saw a Chelsea kit, I'm thinking, what is that? I just, I'd love the colours. It's just something I even had. Um, I had some Crystal Palace fans send me some text saying, what a fantastic kit. So wow. by any standard, that's a great kit. Yeah, absolutely love it. That three didn't look too good, though, when West Ham scored three last week. <laughs> that's not ideal, is it, really? Oh, my God. That was, that was, I don't know how you felt, but anyone who knows football knows Yarmolenko only has a left foot. And what Rudiger was doing, I remember screaming, screaming. I mean, even as a child, I mean, I'm sure we've all played primary school football. We know when someone's one-footed, you hmm. play, we play them on the outside, so cover their right foot. It was a disgrace, that moment. That really upset me, actually, I have to say. But anyway, I don't, I don't want that to, to blight what's been a good restart. And, uh, and it's, been, it's been enjoyable, hasn't it, boys? I yeah, I was going to ask it. you about that, because that's the last time we spoke to you, we were contemplating the return of football. It was a month yeah. or six or so weeks ago. And so here we are. Do you think it's gone as well as could be expected, Omid? I think it has. I mean, I know people who are journalists saying you have no idea how hard it is just to get the games on. People get emails late night saying, "Have you had your tests? You've got to, you've got to be you've got to fill out forms." Just to get the people there and get the thing started is is an extraordinary thing. So, it's been wonderful. It's been wonderful for for Chelsea fans as well to see players who we thought that were not really what they were cracked up to be, like someone like Christian Pulisic, suddenly coming alive and looking like a kind of Hazard Mark II. Shows you that they've really taken the training seriously and. Just to see the commitment of everyone, because it's not an easy thing. We haven't been playing; you haven't played for three months, and the, the way they staggered it in stages, I think it's been really, it's been really well handled. Mm. And with the Black Lives Matter thing as well, I think, it, I think it's really been to the credit of the Premier League the way that they've put this all together. When lots of other leagues have just completely folded and stopped, so so well done, Premier League. It's good. I know you've more concern, aren't you, about theatre and live venues for, for comedians. I mean, we've enjoyed the football, but I know you, you are, judging by your social media, you're pretty concerned about this. Yeah, I think the main thing that upset me was that you're allowed to get on a plane, but you're not allowed to sit next to people in the theatre. And those flights are sometimes three, four hours, five, six hours in the cylinder, but yet somehow sitting next to someone in the theatre is not allowed. So I've been very worried about that because we're, we're the last people to go back to work but then again i am uh i am doing these uh driving gigs i don't know if you've heard about them at, yes uh, mm. with all the mm. career highlights i've had uh, i think the greatest thing is doing a car park in brent cross yesterday it was under about 10 foot of water wasn't it uh, i was slightly worried I actually said to my wife that I was working in a car park and she actually thought I'd meant she thought I'd got a proper job for the <laughs> <laughs> Over there, mate, just on the left hand side. Try and bar up against that Mondeo. That's it. Yeah. Exactly, the, yeah. Yeah. the what's it been like, I mean, What's it like what are these driving gigs like? Yeah. Well, I went to the first couple of ones and it's, and I can tell you it's it's not a good sign uh, when halfway through you see an audience member attaching a hose to their exhaust pipe. I haven't done the gig. I haven't done the gig. But but how how do you even prepare for a, for a driving gig? Do you, do you go to a driving McDonald's? Do you, uh, <laughs> do, you, do you shout stuff at car parks? Or uh, in my case, I've been because um, it's a car park, and, and I, I did a joke on Twitter that this is the first time, you know, the off talks about but never dared mash up between dogging and comedy and so i've been going to dogging sites and um people are really not interested uh, at all they seem to be very distracted and you know uh, when they shout shut up fatty and you've not even got to the punchline yeah it's a, pro- it's a problem uh, and, and how do you how do you practice with this kind of thing i watched dom jolly do it and he had to stop for a while because people weren't getting the sound but i'll tell you what people were 
you can't hear laughter. So he asked people to honk horns. Right. They, were, they were honking their horns a lot, actually, which is great. So it's very interactive. And I hope well, to be, uh, I have to, I have to do some, I'll, I'll wash a few cars afterwards just to get a bit of extra cash. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, when you, you wanna... do to play, yeah. So, so I was at. Uh, sorry, Paul. I was going to ask Ahmed when. When are you due to do this? What, what What's your date for this? My dates are twenty third, twenty fourth, and twenty fifth of July. Brent Brent Cross Car Park, and we're doing car park, which is one step below doing the actual shopping mm. centre. So uh, it's <laughs> going to be interesting. I think there's room for about three hundred cars, and uh, I th- I think people are, I think people are excited by it, actually. I mean, if, if I knew there was live comedy on, I'd go. I just go and just watch the comedians struggle. I just go and see how they're dealing with it. I'm going to try and make, I'm to try and make mine a bit more interactive. I've got I've got a whole bunch of um, uh, traffic wardens who are going to give everyone tickets as they come in. Um, I've got people to jack someone's car and just steal their wheels and things. There's, it's going to be a more of a theatrical experience. I'm going to try and make it more of an experience. But yeah, 2030 to 25th at Brent Cross. Come along. Sounds good. That thing you said earlier on, it would be the ultimate heckle, wouldn't it? If it wasn't going well, if someone did get out and put a pipe on the exhaust, I mean, you'd, you'd, there's no coming back from that, would there? From from a comics point of view, not long now, everybody. So it would, well, yeah, it would, it would be a hell of a heckle. We were actually, if, if you do heckle, we have promised there will be cranes with magnets to take your car. Off yeah. The, <laughs> <laughs> it's also yeah. like you know, homage, you know. I mean, you know when you're at Edinburgh and uh, you're doing a gig and somebody, it doesn't happen very often, probably never happens to you, but occasionally a punter will walk out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then you'll make a comment as the person's walking out. Sometimes they may be just going to another show and all that, but, or they don't like the show or whatever. But what about, I mean, in a driving, you can't have somebody actually three-point turning trying to get away. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be good, is it, really? It would be for everyone to see us if they're stuck as well getting out. It'd be really funny. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. But you know what? It's it's better than doing nothing. I think that's yeah. you'll find that comedians have been very very good in the sense that we've not really we've not really seen lockdown as a hiatus. And I think that's a, I've been very inspired actually because as soon as lockdown happened, I saw comedians were doing Zoom gigs, they were doing IG live things, they were trying to. I noticed it straight away actually. So there's a way of pumping your stuff out. They've been doing. I mean, I've been, I've got, I've, uh, I'm producing two TV shows. What, you know, Jerry Seinfeld's comedians in cars getting coffee. Yeah, I'm doing, yeah. Um, I'm doing a nice TV show called Comedians at Home Doing Nothing, where we've got, <laughs> where we've got proper TV quality stuff. I've just done, the, I did one with David Baddiel, did one with Rain Wilson, I'm doing one with, with Whoopi Goldberg, and it's all the, the kind yeah. of A-list. It's A-list yeah, that sounds stars. good. It is. It's A-list stars who wouldn't. There's a lot of people who are actually have gone into hiatus and it's and they're actually yeah. quite happy to do this and the other thing i'm doing which is quite funny my my agent alex siegel is a big Tottenham fan and he said i'm going to pitch her we've written we've written a tv show called hotel pantelleria because pantelleria is a small island and he goes how do you say that i said pantelleria he goes it sounds like a sounds like a tottenham player whose name we've just been able to pronounce after he's left i said what are you talking <laughs> about he goes, he goes i only got to say the name pavlyachenko a year after he left so, so it's good that we've used this time to, to be creative. And I think that's, um, you know, I've been very inspired by the comedians. So actually my output, the stuff that I've been doing has is, is not really stopped. And it's actually finding, finding new ways in general for, for us lot, who are literally the last people to go back to work. has been a challenge, but it's also been very exciting. When are the comedian shows going out? Where can we see them then, Omid? Um, hopefully they'll go out uh, sometime in August. Uh, there's a bit of a, I, I can't really um, tell you which channel because there's a bit of a bidding right. war going on right now. Oh, good. That's what you want. I'll, I'll, come on, I'll come on and tell you all about them. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're, that means you'll be up front at the next driving gig in a solid gold Bentley, won't you? Once the bidding <laughs> war's over. Yeah. <laughs> That's just so funny. People leaving a driving gig, just cars in their drive. Yeah. Leaving Please, back up, back, back up a bit, mate. I've got to back get out. Up, that, yeah, it'd be terrible. <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talksport. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box, and if you break it down, it really comes out to two dollars a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Top Sport finds a way, as we've been discovering uh, through this virus, and that includes uh, one of the great uh, July the 4th events, Coney Island. It is the uh, Nathan's World Hot Dog Eating Championships, and it allowed uh, two stars, two standout stars of the men's and women's game to feature and break world records uh, in those conditions without crowds. And uh, Mm. the crowds matter. They do matter. We're going to hear from Joey Chestnut. I, I knew I was fast in the beginning. It was like blistering speed. And uh, the, the dogs were cooked really well today. And uh, it, it, it kind of, minute like six is where, where I really missed the crowd because they, they, they were pumped up. And uh, I, I hit a wall. And it took me a, a little bit more work to get through it. Um, and, uh, yeah, this is a crazy year. And I'm happy I was able to get a record. There we are. There is uh, the great uh, Joey Chestnut joining us now, the, one of the organisers of uh, Nathan's uh, Hot Dog Eating, the World Championship and from the world of competitive eating. Richard Shea rejoins us. Good afternoon, Richard. Hey, how are you guys? Yeah, we're good. Um, yeah. well, well done first for getting it on because uh, it's <laughs> difficult to get anything on at the moment. Uh, I watched I watched the, uh, the, the special back on Brilliant. ESPN. And, uh, yeah, it, um, it was different. But even Joey said there he does if you pardon the expression, feed off the crowd. The crowd is important. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that was the question going in. Is, is it the crowd that buoys these guys and girls to these big numbers? And I think he would argue yes. But, uh, you know, going into this, at least typically it's really warm and, and uh, like 90 degrees out there in Coney Island in, in early July. And that, I always thought, would be a detriment because, you know, you're waiting around all day to compete uh, and broadcast even. And then... Uh, and then, and then you're kind of fatigued. But so being inside with the HVAC, I thought would help. It, it, it was a it was a new record for both men and women. Mm. Um, so, so who knows? But yeah, I think everyone misses the crowd and everyone misses normalcy. You know. Why did they decide to do it, hold it out uh, indoors when we're being told at the moment that it's more it's sort of healthier to be outdoors rather than sort of indoor events? What, what was what was the thinking behind that? Yeah, I, I hear you there. Uh, it was because of the crowd. We didn't know where we could hide this thing. Um, yeah. You know, we were trying to get a ballpark um, and, and and do it surreptitiously in a ballpark. But uh, when we worked with New York City, they were cool with the big room we had, and we had to pump extra HVAC, HVAC in there. And we had very limited people. I mean, uh, I was in there the day before. I think there were maybe 30 crew members in there. Uh, day of is probably, you know, 25 people so everyone was pretty well spaced out in this huge in this huge room and we all had masks on and i actually only took my mask off for the call but i hear you it's it's so it's so tricky out there it, it would be nice to just be out in a big old uh, in a big old field somewhere now uh, joey at 75 uh, dogs and buns in 10 minutes and he absolutely <laughs> crushed the opposition didn't he but that's true of mickey sudo as well who who was well out in front, 48.5 uh, hot dogs and buns uh, as well in 10 Point minutes. 0.5, so, is that the sausage or the bun? 
Well, that's right. Yeah. What was the point? What was the the, the one the point five that was left? So if you if you uh, if you eat a fraction of a bun, you have to eat the corresponding fraction of dog for it to count. So we so we say you know that's that's how we do it. So if, if it's a if it's a half, that means both half of a hot dog and half of a bun. Um, but you know they weren't really pushed, so they were kind of competing against themselves. We we missed a couple of, of the better competitors, like the second ranked competitors. Uh, in both men's and women, uh, due to uh, New York State's coronavirus quarantine rules, mm. which is to say, like, just, just on almost the eve of the event, uh, Cuomo, the governor in New York, put a put a lock on California, so that means that Matt Stoney couldn't come. Uh, he's, a, he's a top-ranked guy. Uh, he put a lock on Arizona, where Michelle Lesko uh, couldn't come, meant she couldn't travel. So, in a way, it ended up becoming the Joey and the, uh, and the Mickey show. Yeah. And uh, and uh, Joey said at the end, he said the dogs were well cooked. And uh, well, what did he mean by that? Because aren't they normally right. just boiled? Yeah. So that's, that's a very good question. So something actually, as a student of the game, I should have been thinking more of going in. Uh, you know, we talked about the crowd versus the, the controlled HVAC environment, right? They, they, another refrain from the eaters over the years has been if they cook the hot dogs ahead of time, the hot dogs sort of firm up, and the buns get a little dry, uh, a little thick and or stiff. Um, so that sometimes takes the eaters off their game. So if you think of a qualifying round, sometimes we'll do them in an amusement park, and they'll wheel the hot dogs and buns over from wherever the kitchen is, uh, and, the, and the eaters bemoan that because they're they're like the longer the dogs sit uh, after being cooked, the harder they are to eat. So what he was suggesting is we were above the kitchen that the dogs weren't sitting in the sun, they weren't sitting around, they were they were well cooked. He actually meant that they were they were newly cooked. Uh-huh. Are these, are these uh, Mickey and Joey, are they too dominant? Is there a worry when you're involved in a sport and then two people are kind of such standouts? I mean, I know you said not everybody could make it, but do, right. they, need, do they need a bit more competition, the pair of them? They are, you know, Joey in particular. Well, Mickey of late too, yeah. But yes, it, it's a, I guess from a fan perspective, it, on the 4th of July, it's such a marvel to see these guys and gals eat like this, that, mm. that that kind of carries it. But uh, you're also watching, you know, you're watching Tom Brady or... Or uh, you know, or Willian, or some think of any great athlete. People like to go watch that. Um, I do think that if you get out into regular competition, so Joey lost a couple times last year. He's certainly our headliner, but he fell a couple times last year uh, to, to Jeff Asper, another competitor, and Dan Breeden. Mickey will lose on occasion too. Um, but you know, when it comes to hot dogs, that's where these these competitors, Mickey and Joey, really want to uh, define themselves and stand out because the mustard yellow belt is our green jacket or our World Cup. Sure. And uh, I love the commentary. At one point, the guy went, uh, "What a great athlete he is, Joey." You think, well, sort of. <laughs> well, he <laughs> is. He is in my <laughs> eyes, Andy. He certainly is in my well, eyes. I know. I love yeah. the hot dog, uh, Richard. But when I eat them, if I eat one, they kind of repeat on me. So God knows what seventy-five do. And I did notice uh, Joey afterwards did have a sort of like, you know, he, well, he we, did sort of. Uh, we can bring that to you when Joey okay, concluded yeah. uh, c- concluded his interview. I think I think the event got the better of him. Let's bring that to you now. Yeah, this is the sound. And being inside helped. Uh, just, uh, but yeah, it, it just I, I did train a little bit more this year. So well, congratulations, Joey. <laughs> you got to you got to cut him some slack, Richard. For goodness' you can't sake, blame just, him for that. He's just eaten seventy-five hot dogs. He's you know, still you're repeating allow, on him. Now. You're allowing one belch, don't you? What's What's your record, Richard? Do you, Do you do this? Have you Have you Have you taken on the challenge? How many have you tried eaten in ten minutes? Uh, I typically have two Nathan's hot dogs and buns when I barbecue with my kids, but uh, I've never done it. I'm a social eater, and then now that the sport has has climbed to, to, to such ranks. Uh, I couldn't hold my own. I can hardly eat, like lunch quickly at my desk. But uh, <laughs> but yeah. I Good think stuff. I think the the fascinating thing is that often the people who do well at this aren't as you imagine massive, no, overweight. They're, they're slim people. It's amazing. You look at there were some where, there were some big boys and it? girls on show, especially among the men. But you know, it's often it's often been Sonia the Black Widow Thomas Kobayashi back in the day. They weren't big people, yeah. were they, Richard? They're still not. No. So now, about twenty years ago, when we when we kind of created the league. Uh, to advance the sport safely and maintain its integrity, you do have bigger sort of like these buffet eating, we call them like buffet buster, thick set people that you'd anticipate would be the big eater, right? Um, and then it kind of switched into the more athletic frame. And when, you know, you think of here, Fumi Nakajima, Kobayashi, uh, the, the early Japanese stars, they were very slight and they would always crush sort of the big fat American dudes. 
Um, and so then the, the more athletic American people kind of came onto the circuit. And, yeah, the, these guys are more traditional athletes. We have bodybuilders, trainers, you know, marathon runners. Um, Joey is actually not at all a heavy guy. He's regular build. Um, so, so we had one guy there, Badlands Booker, who's like a man mountain at about 350. But he's, 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 the, he's the odd man out. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. <laughs> Just before we go, then, we will bring you the winner of the Clips of the Month. It was 51-49. Very, to- uh, very tight. Thanks very much for voting uh, this afternoon. Uh, Ricky Clark of Surrey will be disappointed because it's this caller to the sports bar. Ken's a Spurs fan. He's up next. Hello, Ken. Good evening. Hello, that's How are you? Well, good, Hi, Kenneth. Are you a Kenneth or a Kenny or what are you? Uh, a bit of both. A bit of all. Ken, Kenny, Kenneth. Are you yeah, named after yeah. anyone famous, Ken? Um, yes, I am, actually. Uh, Matt Monroe. Talk Sport, Caller of the Week. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. There we are. That was this afternoon's show. Yeah, surprise winner of the Clips of the Month, but it's you, the people that vote. We'll see you tomorrow from one. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on Talk Sport. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.